Hello there, and welcome to episode 43 of the Sports and Spirituality Show, sponsored in part by the Fairfield County Sports Network and our friends at WLRI 88.9 Radio for Life. Uh, Save Radio, thank you for your willingness to broadcast this podcast. Hey, that rhymes. Uh, And also, um, a special thank you to Price Custom Homes. Our friends Greg and Mitch Price have been doing this for about 50 years, and uh, they can help you from beginning to end. You can get more information by going to their website, pricecustomhomes.com, and uh, that's uh, how you can say thank you to one of our sponsors on the Sports and Spirituality Show. My name is Steve Rao, and our regular co-host is a young lady uh, who's had a lot of high school experience at a school that has been um, very successful in many athletic pursuits, none of which she participated <laughs> in, mainly because she has no athletic skill. Actually, all of her bones are non-athletic, um, and uh, she is uh, not a sports fan, but an appreciator of all uh, all things Bloom Carroll Bulldogs. She is with Young Life Lancaster. She is Kelsey Bull. Welcome back to episode 43 of the Sports and Spirituality Show, Kelsey. Thanks, Steve. Any of that true? Yeah, I think most of that was I think true. all of it is true. Yeah, but I would like to say yes. that last week when I was at Young Life Camp, uh-huh, uh-huh. we played a good amount of Gaga ball. Oh, yes. Yeah, are you familiar with this uh, game? Yes. Not, not super familiar, but yes. Yeah, and I would just like to say that I was pretty dang good. Really? Yeah. And how are we defining pretty dang good? I was, I'm 33 years old. Uh-huh. I was playing with high school age yes. students. And I would usually last until uh, the final few people were left in the octo- octagon. Yeah, I yeah. think it's an octagon. Yeah. 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 The last few people. Yeah, so, so you would what, you start ju- with a bunch of people in this pit. Yeah. And you have a kickball type ball. Uh-huh. And the goal is to hit it at people's legs below their knees to okay. get them out. Yeah. And so if you start with, I don't know, 20 some, 20 some people in this pit, yeah. uh-huh. and I uh, routinely would last uh-huh. through, you know, until maybe, you know, the top three or four people, uh-huh. I think that's pretty good. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Here's here's what I hear. Okay. What do you uh, hear? There's 20 people in this octagon. You're hiding behind uh, the more athletic ones, or maybe less <laughs> athletic ones. Sometimes. Uh, yeah. So your strategy. Right. Exactly. Athletic strategy. <laughs> no. No athletic. Athletic strategy. Only strategy. That's it. And then you got down to where you couldn't hide anymore, and so they knocked you out. And that's one thing that I heard. The second thing I heard is you never won. And so um, I, I don't know how we can celebrate. I'm our trying to remember. Athletic acumen by saying, well, I didn't finish last. Um, I don't understand that. but I do. Yeah, <laughs> of, course, <laughs> of course you do. Uh, that's uh, the difference, uh, yeah. one of the differences between you and me. Now, mm-hmm. uh, we're recording this podcast um, on Father's Day weekend. I think your dad is Brian McSweeney. Is that right? That is right. Yes. Uh, so uh, if you had an opportunity, um, which my guess is you probably will, uh, <laughs> to wish him a happy Father's Day, um, what would be maybe two or three attributes uh, about your dad that you appreciate? Yeah, I will wish my father a happy Father's Day. Good. Um, And I just, he has a lot of great attributes. Um, A couple of those attributes that I really appreciate are his loyalty. He has had some of... um, some of his friendships for most of his life. Yeah. And this is a this is really a family trait. My family is really good um, at being quality friends to other people. And I really appreciate that as someone who values relationships. Um, I, I have learned that and I have watched that modeled um, through my dad and through his uh, his family. And so I'm really thankful for that. I'm also really thankful that my dad um, always wants to learn. Like he... He can admit um, in the past when he has been wrong or when he has changed his mind on topics, um, and that takes a lot of humility, and I really appreciate that about my dad. I also really appreciate um, he he was coined cheer dad when I was in high school as I was a cheerleader. I see. And it's interesting because he would do most, if not all, of the cheers with us, Um from the stands and oftentimes he was the only parent only adult um doing them with us yes uh in a big way but it that cheer dad term um is really who he is at heart because he is 
the biggest fan of the people he loves. Like he really does cheer them on in all elements of, um, yeah, and of uh, his life, of our lives. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, It does. It makes sense, and I think it's a tremendous attribute. Uh, I want to make a comment about that, but I also want to let people know we're going to have a fellow Bulldog come on. We are. Uh, this is a real athlete uh, that's going to join <laughs> she us is. Uh, she is. <laughs> for this podcast. A uh, better athlete than both of the broadcasters <laughs> on this podcast. Um, and her name is Taryn Alvello. She's going to join us here uh, in just a little bit. I, I got to tell you, my daughter cheered. Um, I did not want to do any of the cheers. I would hear my wife like saying the words, right? And uh, that was kind of her participation. I'm like, no, I'm out. I don't, I don't want to do that. Even though, uh, if you gave me some truth serum, I would have to tell you, I still remember some of the cheers from when I played basketball back in the uh, early '80s. Uh, and so it's you know some stuff sticks in your head um, for sure. But uh, for your dad to actually go through the activity of doing the cheers with you, God bless. Brian McSweeney. Yep. It was awesome. I could not see myself doing that at all. Yes. So, um, (laughs) good for him. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't even speak them out loud, much less go through the motions uh, of that kind of thing. Um, I I told you just before, but I I watched an interaction with you and your dad at the Fairfield County Fair. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, wrote a book uh, called Hugology, the study of hugs. And um, I watched uh, your dad hug you when when you came to that event. And uh, we were walking around the the fairgrounds, uh, you know, early that morning. And he was very... Um, uh, he was very gentle with his daughter, very connected with his daughter, very engaged. I think he literally had uh, retired like two days before yeah. that or something. Um, but uh, I-, I thought it was a, a tremendous interaction and a great representation of who a dad is and what a dad should do as it relates to his children. And um, I'm not as big a Brian McSweeney fan as Kelsey Bowl, but I might be in the in the top three or four um, uh, people in the world because, uh, really, I, I love that interaction. I enjoyed watching that as a third party, you know, from a distance. And uh, um, that is uh, what... Um, uh, what dad should do and be knowing that there's somebody that's going to cheer you on both um, maybe uh, metaphorically as well as uh, practically uh, as well and Brian McSweeney does that he does question for you with Father's Day yes what is your ideal Father's Day celebration yeah um, really any shared activity with my kids it's what I want uh, I don't need another shirt I don't need another tie um, what I want uh, is uh, to go to, to lunch or dinner uh, with my kids, to go to a ball game, uh, uh, to have a water balloon fight, uh, whatever uh, that would look like. Um, shared activity with my kids. That's absolutely what I want. Good to know. It's time to pay off on that tease. We do bring our guest on for this podcast, and she is Taryn Alvello, and she is chosen to join us on the Sports and Spirituality Show. Uh, welcome to the SAS, Taryn. Well, thank you for having me. Now, I don't know if you're sassy or not. Uh, you know, Kelsey Bowl obviously is. Obviously. Right. This is why we brought her on the show. I am here. Right. (laughs) To bring the sass. So it might be double sass. I think there's also double lady bulldogs on this show. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Both dogs. How about that? Uh, So both uh, Bloom Carroll graduates here. Uh, That's pretty cool stuff. Uh, So let's learn a little bit more about Taryn Alvella. Where are you from originally? Um, Originally, I am from Carroll, Ohio. How about that? Uh, right here in central Ohio. Um, and uh, uh, what do your parents do for a living? Um, my dad um, works for a construction company. He's um, supervises for them. And my mom now is stay-at-home. Um, basically, she just holds down the fort for us. So she um, she's the one that really makes the ship run. Yeah, she's the glue that holds that uh, Alvello family together, huh? That's right. Yeah, that's good stuff right there. And uh, brothers or sisters, do you have any of those? I do not. I have a 
couple fur siblings, that's for sure. <laughs> I got you. So uh, pets, <laughs> but no uh, no human siblings. That's correct. Uh, yes. I guess if they get it right the first time, they don't need any more. That's right. I'm like, how much better can you get? So. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, so when uh, did you start developing a love for athletics? From an early age, um, I think I, you know, with me being around my mom who coached volleyball, um, basically as soon as I was born, kind of helped develop that love for athletics and then just competing. Um, I spent, I was kind of, a, you know, always in the, I thought I was going to go the volleyball route. And so after, you know, five, six years, I started to play another sport and that was softball. And then I played basketball. So I played multiple sports growing up, but then, you know, softball is kind of the only one that really stuck with me. And uh, what do you think that was? With your mom being a volleyball coach, you, uh, obviously your dad, a very successful softball coach as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think you maybe gravitated uh, towards the softball side? I just think I was better. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I was better at softball than I was at volleyball. I laughed. And I couldn't jump very high. So I, see. I would have had to uh, eventually shift to a libero when I stopped growing. So um, it kind of just... I don't know. I took to it. And at first I was a catcher and then it wasn't until I really started, you know, figuring out that I could pitch. I was like, Hey, I'm actually not too bad at this thing. Yeah, very good. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, probably the understatement of the podcast. Uh, not too <laughs> bad at this thing. Um, uh, Taryn Alvello is great uh, at the game of softball. Now, um, <clears throat> what age were you when you realized, hey, let me try pitching a little bit and uh, uh, maybe move from behind the plate to in front of the plate? Mm-hmm. I was about 10, maybe 10 or 11. Um, we were at tra- or my travel ball team's practice, and you know, I was just standing over at first base, shagging some balls, and my coach said, hey, toss me those. And, you know, me being me, I just got up and I went underhand. Um, and my coach kind of laughed and said, hey, do that again. And I did. And he's like, looked at my parents. He said, hey, get this kid in lessons. Uh-huh. Um, and from then on, it kind of just um, sparked and exploded from there. And I took some lessons and my dad was very adamant. He's like, you're not going to pitch in a game until you somewhat can throw strikes <laughs> so I worked really hard to you know for about the next year to do what I needed to do to be able to pitch in a game and yeah and that's kind of just what started all of that and led me to where I am today it must have also maybe lit a fire of passion for you uh, at that position. Um, I think all of us, when we have some level of success in something, it kind of maybe throws a little gasoline on the fire there. Did you sense that as well? I did. Um, I mean, I guess at the time, I didn't really notice it. More so, I just, you know, I got to play a really fun sport. And then at that point, I was like, cool, I get to travel. I get to do different things. Um and looking back on it now, I think it was definitely, you know, that that love and passion that started to develop at that age. Um, because I still think of my entire career and I think of what it's become. And at certain times, I mean, it's not fun and it's challenging. And so having that early love for it and really figuring out, hey, this is what I want to do. And I want to keep doing this. Um, I can remember being almost 12, 13 and in the yard pitching with my dad. And I was like, I'm going to play pro softball one day. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to the Olympics or, you know, do something that no one in this area has done before. My parents just like, okay, well, if you want to do that, just keep working. Um, So that's kind of where it all took place. Yeah, that's great stuff right there. If you're just joining us, this is the Sports and Spirituality Show. Uh, alongside Kelsey Boy, I'm Steve Rao. Our guest, Taryn Alvello, a very successful softball player. And at some point, you end up in high school, and I think your dad says, hey, um, I've been working with you here. Maybe I get the chance to coach you. Um, uh, talk to us about being a freshman on the Bloom Carroll Ladies Softball Team. So my freshman year, um, it was, I had kind of spent the last maybe end of my seventh grade and eighth grade playing with the high school team um, in the winter ball and in our summer league. So being a freshman for me wasn't 
too scary. I knew the team pretty well. At that time, we just had um, Chuck Woods and Wendell Miller. Um, and that was, you know, that year we did something that hadn't been done in a long time. Um, you know, we made it all the way to the state semifinals or to the state finals and, you know, ultimately came in second place that year. Um, but it was kind of like a shock to everybody. We weren't, you know, in the past, we weren't a very good team. There, you know, had been previous teams to come through that made it all the way to states. But we wanted to keep, you know, creating a legacy at Bloom Carroll. And that's that was the start of it. Freshman year was the, the real start of, of it all. It certainly was a great success your freshman year. I've got to ask you about, uh, you mentioned Wendell Miller. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he was a tremendous man, uh, and it, it was said of him he loved three things. He loved his family, he loved the Bible, and he loved Bloom Carroll Lady Bulldog softball. Um, unfortunately, succumbed to esophageal cancer uh, too soon. Um, but uh, what are your memories of Wendell Miller and the investment he made in you? Wendy was um, probably the biggest part of my high school career. Um, that man was the glue in the heart of Bloom Carroll softball. Um, so being able to say that I know I knew him and, you know, I got to, you know, play for him and be loved by him was something that it was it's hard to even fathom and put into words that, you know, I, got, I had that privilege to be a small part of his life. Um, and it was it was a great honor. It certainly was. Now, uh, sophomore year goes pretty good for you as well. What happened in your sophomore season? So, yeah, that season was, um, you know, it was a, our, our big year. That was the year we won states. Um, we just, we had a team that just loved to play. We loved each other that year, and we just wanted to keep going. We wanted to keep building on what we did the previous year. Um, that was the year um, my dad had joined the softball team as well. So he was, you know, he was helping coach. He was helping bring um, kind of that fire. I think he he definitely changed the culture. Um, he brought in standards. He brought in um, that passion for the, for the game and the motivational talks. Um, anybody that played for him knows that, you know, he would come up big with those – big speeches before after a game and you know would make you really just sit and and have you in your feels that's for sure yes and i uh, uh had the privilege of broadcasting that ball game and i think maybe i saw a really long uh deep emotional hug between a dad and daughter <laughs> at the conclusion of that contest uh since you brought it up um how was it playing for your dad i know sometimes that can be really challenging for both the dad and for the athlete. Uh, some people are going to say you're favoring your kids some are going to say you're too hard on your kid i guess it's maybe can't be a uh it's a no-win situation maybe i don't know but how was it for you from your perspective yeah I mean I did get lucky um my dad definitely did not baby me I was not on that end of the spectrum I think if anything he pushed me harder um than other people but I had a way of responding to him that was not as my dad um I knew that everything he was saying to me and um you know whatever he was teaching in them in that moment he was looking at me as a player and not his daughter. Um, and that's what ultimately kept our coached player relationship very strong. And um, it was it wouldn't be maybe until after the games in the Carterham homes that he turned more into that dad role. Um, and I would hear the piece of it from a dad's side. But he he knew how to separate it and I knew how to separate it. And that's what made us work together so well. He had been coaching me for a long time. So he was my first ever travel ball coach uh, when I was younger. So it was kind of nice to get that back and, you know, relive our, our, the beginning of um, our softball career together. 
As we record this podcast, it is Father's Day weekend, and I can tell you as a dad of four, um, it was an extra special blessing to your dad uh, to be able to coach you, to be at your games, to celebrate with you, to cry with you, um, and uh, to interact with you, to watch your joy, your interaction with your teammates, uh, uh, all the success you've enjoyed. Uh, I know that was a great benefit to him, and uh, Mm -hmm. so we say uh, Happy Father's Day to Aaron Alvello. Happy Father's Day, Pops. All right, now I've got to ask you about your junior year. I know <clears throat> all of athletics is uh, painful uh, in many ways <laughs> as much as uh, the rejoicing. And uh, I don't know that I've ever broadcast a state championship, well, any game, um, <laughs> that was more um, <laughs> unusual and uh, powerful and painful at the same time as your junior year in the state championship. Um, Describe from your perspective in the center circle uh, what that game meant to you. Oh, that was, um, you know, everybody says that, you know, it's tough to win one championship, and it is. But to come back the next year, with a target on your back, being that number one team from the previous previous year, that it makes it even, it just makes it that much more challenging. Um, we, I think it was like fourteen innings, if I remember correct. It was fourteen um, innings. It was a long game. It was a very hot game, because um, at that time, you know, it was played in June. Yes, and it was. We know how June in Ohio is, so. Yep. It was it was a tough game and it was a tough because um, I'm pretty sure I for the life of me this is how my brain is I cannot remember if it was tied zero zero if it was tied one one I cannot remember what the score uh, was I, I I will help you with that uh, because Thank you. I it is stuck in my brain uh, it's an incredible <laughs> thing I can't uh, I I just I can't forget it um, my <laughs> friend Mark Lynn and I uh, called the game it was just incredible and it was zero zero um it was uh through i believe you had 27 strikeouts in that game Mm. it was a state record it might not ever be broken um, (laughs) because if you play seven innings and you strike out everybody that's 21 strikeouts so i don't know if you would if it'll ever happen again, um, certainly in a state championship, uh, you set the strikeout record. Um, it is nothing, nothing through 13 and I believe 13 and two thirds innings. Um, mm-hmm. They end up with a runner on second base and um, you've got a no hitter uh, going through 13 and two thirds innings. And uh, a, uh, the, the batter hits a ball up the middle that was one of the weaker hits, but it was one of those seeing-eye singles that somehow makes it into the outfield. Um, she rounds third, scores at the plate. You lose one to nothing in 14 innings, giving up one hit. Um, and I... I, I, I I wasn't even playing the game, and it, it, it hit me in the feels. Um, and um, I, I cannot imagine being in that center circle, setting a strikeout record, not giving up any hits, and the weakest hit of the day, uh, we mm-hmm. end up losing the state championship on that. Um, so that's why um, I was wondering maybe your thoughts from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, that has, at that point in my life, was one of the toughest games I'd ever played in. Um, it was on certainly the biggest stadium I had, you know, played in, um, even though we had played there in the past, but still to that day was, I hadn't played on a bigger setting. Um, and a definitely not a high pressured situation. And so it was a challenge mentally for me, um, being able to go 14 innings and not allowing for them to score or, I didn't even realize it was a no-hitter up until that point. It was. Um, Yeah, so that speaks a lot into itself of how good our team was that year, Um, our defense. And our our team was – we were pretty legit. And, um, you know, we just finally found a match, a team that matched us and talent-wise, and it was a battle. It was a great battle. I mean, that was – 
that's what a state championship should be. That's what championship games should be like. When you have two equally as good teams battling it out for the championship, that's what that's what it's all about. It is, and that's why we love sports, isn't it? Because you just never know. Mm-hmm. You uh, That was your third year in a row to go to the state championship game. Uh, you mentioned the bullseye on your back. Absolutely the case. Uh, you fought valiantly in what is uh, – Absolutely a state championship softball classic. Uh, Instant classic, I think ESPN calls them. Uh, It was an instant classic for sure. Uh, Unfortunately, the good gals ended up on the short end of the stick. But uh, something that uh, uh, if I live another 56 years, I probably will not forget uh, that contest right there. Uh, we talk about challenges on the field. Um, you had some challenges off the field with uh, um, uh, a... uh, difficult situation with your dad um, and uh, going into your senior year and, and that kind of process. How were you as a uh, top-tiered uh, softball player uh, for Bloom Carroll High School able to manage that struggle? Yeah, I think um, I wasn't able to really manage. I think looking back at it and kind of you know having the last couple of years to reflect um on my senior year I think it was you know I had spent the last three years with this persona around me and you know I was the pitcher the at that time the three-time you know I don't even remember like player of the year or whatever the Eagle Gazette player of the year all these things and I was going to Washington I had all this stuff going for me um and what I didn't have was a lot of really good people in my corner um I think I had made some bad choices had kind of fallen my fallen into a crowd that maybe wasn't that successful for me in that moment because I was finding myself making the choices that I should have never been making um And it was to fit in. It was to not be the player, not be the softball person. I also wanted to be a normal person. I wanted to have friends. I wanted to go do stuff. Um, And that was a very challenging balancing act at that age. Um, Because when you're in high school and you're young and you're dumb, you make decisions with no repercussions. Well, for me, I had repercussions. And for me, I had a lot to lose. Um, and I didn't know how to really handle all of that. And then, you know, some stuff had happened, um, earlier in the year, unfortunately with my dad and with our team and that left pressures of its own. Um, and it was, it was very challenging. And so, um, I think realizing and looking back again on it now, what happened with me getting in trouble probably was one of the best things that happened to me. Not that the situation itself was good or the outcome was good or whatever, but it was a wake up call. Um, Kind of God's way of just being like, Hey, you're not going down the path that I have planned for you. You're not doing the things that, you know, I, I see fitting for your, what, what we have planned and, um, you're going to wake up. So that's what it was. It was my come to Jesus moment as I, me and my dad like to put it. Um, it was some of the hardest days of my life. That's for sure. And yet you used that wake-up call uh, to propel you forward. And I think that's what all of us are called to do, isn't it? Uh, When we have a a particular struggle or challenge in our life, uh, we Mm -hmm. can either go left or right. Uh, We can uh, make some more poor choices on top of the poor choices we've already made. Or we can say, wait a minute, we're drawing a line in the sand. We're saying we're not going to be that person. We're going to be what God has called and created us and desires for us to be. Mm -hmm. And um, you made that 
call. I know there was some chatter about is she still going to get her scholarship uh, with the University of Washington. Obviously, the answer was yes, and we celebrate uh, the fact that you took this very negative situation and uh, were able to turn that into a positive. Um, And my hunch is you have already used that uh, to encourage others and will continue to use that. And so we celebrate your willingness uh, to take um, this uh, very sour lemon and make wonderful lemonade out of it. Yeah, it was uh, that none of this would have really been possible if I didn't have the support staff that I had at Washington. Um, You know, when I made that phone call to to Coach Tarr, it was never a question of, you know, if I was going to be going to Washington for her. She was like, when are we getting here? Getting you here? How fast can we get you here? Um, She wanted me there. She wanted me out in, in classes and in school and you know, getting the structure that I needed as soon as possible. Um, so when that happened, basically I was on the next flight out as soon as I could. I got out there in June and I started classes right away. Um, and I didn't look back. And I think that itself is what took me into that direction. Um, she kind of picked me up and she was like, here, I'm going to get you the help you need. I'm going to get you the structure you need. And I'm going to put the people in your corner that's going to help you grow and season and become the the person, not just a player, but the person that you want to be. Um, and, you know, I think I did okay for myself in those four years at Washington. Um, <laughs> yeah, so another understatement there. Yeah, it did. It, it, it worked. Um, I want to wrap up the high school season by saying mm-hmm. that uh, you still had an outstanding um, senior year. Uh, unfortunately, not able to play in the state championship game, but you led the team to the state championship game. So that's four years in a row. You can't be any better than four for four um, in uh, four uh, trips to the state championship. So that's uh, that's uh, to be applauded there. Um, before I ask you about your softball career at the University of Washington, I recall a conversation I had with your dad um, about um, the academic side, and Mm -hmm. there uh, was a discovery in um, your academics uh, that um, I think the University of Washington is one of the few schools in the country uh, that specializes in this particular challenge that you were facing. Uh, That seemed like a God-orchestrated thing. Uh, Can you talk to us about that? Um, I'm guessing that's just about, like, my learning disabilities and all of that stuff. Correct. Okay, so um, I, in elementary school and middle school and high school, um, I could never understand why it was school was so hard for me. Um, I would pay attention in class. I would, you know, do the work. I would do the schoolwork. I would stay after and do tutoring. Um, and I still just could not process any of it. And, you know, in high school, I was the athlete. I was, you know, this person on the softball field. So I feel like academically I wasn't pushed or challenged in the sense of, hey, you know, you really don't understand. Um, it's okay, though. You're, you're good at softball. So then I fell into that dumb drop role, right? Oh, she's just a good, she's a great kid. She's a good softball player, but she's not that smart. Um, and then this whole time, and I believed that. And I got to Washington, and first of all, Washington is at that time was like the number 14 school in the world. Um, it Not just the country, but the world. It was a globally prestige, pristine um, academic setting, and I was going to it. So I was like, okay, well, this is going to go one of two ways. I mean, you're going to succeed or I'm going to fail, and I can't do it. Um, but the word can't has never been in my vocabulary, and I am a... Um, true, I'm just like my mom, a true Smith, I guess you could say that when someone says I can't do something, um, it makes me want to do it that much more. So I have very vivid memories of some teachers in high school, basically calling me dumb and calling me stupid and telling me that I will never make it anywhere because I was so stupid. Um, so then that was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to a really tough school. And in fact, I'm going to graduate in three and a half years. And that's exactly what I did. Um, 
I got out there and Washington um, instantly. My um, academic advisor was like, hey, I already just based it looking at your um, GPA and your records from school, <clears throat> we're going to put you through some testing. And I was like, oh, okay. I thought that was just, you know, normal. I thought everybody did it. Right. Well, after sitting in about eight and a half hours of testing, um, they found out that I do have really bad, um, basically, school anxiety, test anxiety, um, and ADHD. So I was like, oh, this is, I have never considered myself being a, a person with ADHD or a learning disability or anxiety. I'm like, I don't have any of that, but I did. And <clears throat> that's my school at Washington. They were very, I mean, precise in their resources that it was like, holy crap, I'm not dumb. I just wasn't being taught the right way. And so Washington has a completely separate side um, for any student that is struggling ac like in academics with their learning. Um, I would get basically double the amount of time on my tests. So I would take my tests to a, a completely separate part of the campus. Um, then I'd get in my little cubicle. It was, you know, distraction free. And there was nothing. It was just basically in a room with a box and, it sounds a little scary until you get in there and you realize that, okay, once everything else is cut away from me, the noises, um, different, seeing different things, my brain was able to actually relax and process what I was doing. And with that added time, I didn't have the stress of, oh, I, I don't have, how much time do I have left? How much this, how much that? Because in college, it's not just take your test until you get done because there's, you know, only 25 questions. Like, no, you're taking a test with almost 200 questions and you have two and a half hours to take it. So it's completely different setup than what we're given in, you know, in, in high school. And you know, Washington did a really good job of making sure that I was taken care of mentally and making um, being taken care of academically. That helped me set up for better and better job in softball because then at that point I knew what I had to do to get the good grades and yes it was still a struggle I did I was still by no means a continuous 4.0 I was not a dean's list you know student athlete but what I did was I went to the University of Washington and I got a degree in three and a half years and that is in my eyes, more successful than taking any of my softball accolades and putting them on the same table. I can't even be at the same table with um, the fact that I was able to do that on my academic end. That's great stuff right there. Thank you for your willingness to share uh, that story. And, and our hope is uh, that others uh, who may be in a situation where they feel like, oh, I can't learn or uh, I'm not very smart or uh, I've been labeled this or people have given, tried to put labels on me, uh, that maybe they don't receive those, that maybe they push back and say, wait a minute, uh, uh, Taryn Alvello had this uh, same sense or feeling or was called some of the things I'm called and that's just not true I can go to a four-year college I can finish in three and a half years I can be exactly what I want to be um, and uh, I have the potential to be and so thank you for your willingness uh, to share that Let's, let's get back on the softball diamond. Um, you had some pretty good success. As a matter of fact, <laughs> there were quite a few occasions I was watching Taryn Alvello on ESPN. Um, so uh, talk to us about your experience at the college level. Uh, it was a four years of a whirlwind. Um, <laughs> very, very highs, highs. Like there were some great moments in my career. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize how much hard times us as student athletes go through. Um, you know, mental health has been a really big thing in college athletics these last couple of years. And um, it's because of a lot of the stuff that we, we have to go through um, in order to be successful at a high level and in order to hold our exposure when we're playing in front of 
millions of people and we're playing on national television and um it is a very tough thing let me tell you <laughs> i can vividly remember um my freshman year um we my freshman year was cut a little bit shorter than my other three years we only made it to super regionals that year so back up about halfway through conference um pac-12 conference play I pretty much like broke my ankle my freshman year. I was playing, we were playing Utah and <clears throat> there was a, kind of a wild pitch. It ricocheted and I went to go after it and I stepped wrong and my, I basically twisted my ankle except my ankle bone touched the ground on both sides of, of my leg. Um, basically it went one direction and then corrected itself and went the other direction. Ouch. Um, so I had probably one of the worst ankle sprains that you could get. Um, and they said I would have been better off to break my ankle. Um, and aside from the injury, because, yes, that did suck, it was the fact that I continued to play through it. Um, I took a couple weeks off because it was um, so swollen that I couldn't even put shoes on. Um, <laughs> I had to do a lot of therapy for it, but then – you know, we got to the point where like, Hey, we're in postseason now. <laughs> we need you. Yep. So I didn't pitch in regionals until the regional final game against Minnesota. Um, <clears throat> it was basically kind of a waiting game. Like if we don't need you, you're not going to, you're not going to go in. Um, but if it gets a little hairy and we need to, we need to put you in, then you're going to have to go in. And I was like, okay. So I was mentally preparing myself Playing through an injury <clears throat> so severe is um, it's, al it's almost impossible. But somehow, as athletes, we figure out how to cut out pain. Um, and it's something that's taught to us as at an early age, like the, oh, you're fine, play through it, or suck it up, you know, the old saying, rump some dirt in it, or, you know, whatever. Right. We, are, we are made to be tough and play through hard things. And let me tell you, I'll just, I'll put, paint this picture for you. My foot. So I wear 10. Well, not at that point I was wearing nine and a half in, in women's shoe. Um, my foot that ha that was hurt. I was wearing a 12 and a half. Oh my lands. Um, my foot was still swollen and it was taped and I had an ankle brace on. And then I had my foot, down in the shoe and the shoe itself was taped to my leg. So it was a club foot. I was pitching with a club foot. Yep. Um, and I had to pitch to Alabama, which that year they were amazing. They had Haley McClinney, who um, is an Olympian. They had um, just Demi Turner, some really good players that were really tough to beat. And I had to pitch to them with, one foot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we went down to Alabama. Both games we lost, but they were extremely close. Um, it, I don't know how I did it. I don't know how I pushed through, um, but I did. Um, and that summer was my, you know, my freshman summer. And I basically spent the whole summer in a boot um, because I had pushed, pushed through so, so much that I made it worse. Um, so I couldn't do anything that summer. Um, and it was a challenging, challenging year after that, getting myself, because ultimately I had gained weight because I couldn't run. I couldn't work out. Um, so coming back my sophomore year was, okay, now your ankle's healed. Cool. Now you are going to lose all of the weight you've gained. <laughs> and you are going to come back and be stronger and better than you were last year. And that in itself was a challenge. For sure. So it's, um, it, I have seen myself take on more challenges in between my senior year of high school to my senior, the end of my, I would say even my, the end of my summer of my senior year, um, in terms of softball. And those, uh, those five years really were a uh, 
they were a time to be lived. That's for sure. <laughs> they were great. They were amazing. They were challenging. They were everything that you could expect out of life, but it was more condensed in four and a half, five years than yeah. a lot of people experience. No question about that. I think maybe you had the chance to pitch in the Women's College World Series. Is that correct? I did a couple times. And um, mm-hmm. you uh, unfortunately weren't able to uh, hoist the biggest trophy at the end of the day, but that had to be a great experience there. It was. It was. I mean, <laughs> when you get to the World Series and you fall short, you kind of feel this. Um, you like, you know, they give you these things, these little trophies when you go. And I remember vividly, like my sophomore year when we made it and we lost, I got it. And I was like, I don't want a participation trophy. And I was going to throw it away. And I remember my mom ripping my butt, basically (laughs) being like, you made it to the women's college world series. You are not going to throw away that trophy. And I was like, okay, well you take it, but I don't want a participation trophy. I didn't want to go there and come back with a trophy that wasn't gold. And so that really fueled that fire after um, my sophomore year because we went. And uh, that year, I cannot remember how many games we played. We might have played two or three. Um, But we were one of the teams that, I mean, we made it about halfway. So we came in, I think, maybe third or fourth. Um, And... (laughs) But it's kind of crazy to even say that that out of every team in the country that plays yes. um, Division One softball, right. I was able to make it to the last four teams standing, um, and I wasn't happy with it. So. <laughs> yeah, I think there's about 120, <laughs> uh, maybe more, uh, <laughs> colleges that are playing softball. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Top four is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it was um, – of course, I think that's that true competitor is when you make it that far and you still don't, you know, get where you were wanting to go. It's still very disappointing. Um, and so that fueled all of us. It fueled our team. It was like, okay, we've been there. Now we got the taste that we needed to get back. We know exactly what we need, need to do and what we need to work on. Um, and so, yeah, my junior season, we made it all the way to the, to the finals. So it was a, it was, it was a, the leadership that had to come from um, me at that point, because I had been, you know, my junior season, I had become an upperclassman um, and someone who had now been through two seasons and had made it to the world series. I had to, you know, step up with some of our other upperclassmen and we had to build a team that, um, was not going to break. And our juniors, my junior season was a tough season. So um, we ultimately fell on our chemistry. We relied on that and we made sure that we were playing for each other and not any one person was bigger than our team. And we had one goal and that was to, um, make it back to the World Series and make it to the end. And we did just that. That's good stuff right there. Now, um, I want to ask you about uh, Olympic softball. I think I heard a rumor that Taryn Alvello uh, was playing on the Puerto Rican national team. Is Did I hear that right? Yes, that is correct. I am a member of the uh, Puerto Rican women's national team. Um, I've played with them now. Oh, how many summers has it been? So since the summer between my sophomore and junior season, I still think was that five years, three years. I don't know how many years I've been out of school. That's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's great. Now, how did that, how did that process happen? Um, So I have been in communication with them for a couple years prior to actually joining our team Um, with my father being Puerto Rican. um, I have that, that tie to it and I'm able to, um, you know, we, we use, um, us passports with Puerto Rico. So it makes our process a little bit easier than some other countries when, you know, you're from the States and you're going to go play for a different country. Um, you know, we got a little lucky, it's easier process in Puerto Rico with it being a territory of the U S. So, um, 
basically it was a matter of, Hey, do you want to play? And I was like, well, yeah, actually I do. And I finally joined the, the team and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. That's good stuff right there. Uh, really, literally, a young lady from Central Ohio um, going, um, playing the game she loves at a very high level, and it's taken her around the world. It's just uh, great stuff right there for sure. Um, and I've got to ask you about your future. I think maybe you're a professional softball player at the, at the moment. I am. I'm actually currently in Kansas City, um, Kansas right now. Um, it's hard. I don't know. One minute I'm in Missouri. One minute, one minute I'm in Kansas over here because this city is a little different. But um, <clears throat> we are playing. Um, I play for the WPF, the Women's Pro Fast Pitch League. Um, and it's our first season. It's our inaugural season. And we're doing exhibition games throughout the summer. <clears throat> and yeah, I am a professional um, softball player, and I basically have turned what I love and the sport I play into my job. So it has been um, it's been a ride. That's great stuff. Now, I, did I hear something about maybe you have your own glove line? Is, is that right, or am I just making that up? Nope, you are correct. Um, it's with Tigris um, Glove Company, and. I have my own signature glove line. Um, it's for all ages. It's for, um, you know, all positions. It, a lot more pitchers have it, you know, with me being a pitcher. Correct. Um, but, yeah, it's my own glove um, web design. So I have a signature web webbing on that glove that you can't get unless you have my, my glove. And um, the company, Bill Wolf, he has been amazing um, with me these last couple of years, um, and I'm helping him grow. He started out pretty small, um, pretty local. He's a Michigan guy. He's that he's that stayed up north, but uh, he um, he's a good man, and he's taking a chance on me. And we've been collaborating on a lot of stuff, and so I'm excited for the future of Tigris. So, uh, <laughs> if somebody would like to get one of those gloves, uh, what's mm -hmm. the process to to do that? Yeah, so you can just go to the, the website, um, tigress.com or tigressgloves.com, and you basically can just go in, and on the website, you can customize your own glove. You can, even if it's not my own individual glove, but you can go on. They have many different styles to choose from, um, and when you get on, even with my glove, you can customize all colors, anything that you need. And um, it's it's a really cool process that he has. And the gloves are some of the best gloves that I've ever used. I've used Wilson, Rawlings, um, and it's I would say it's really close to the the Wilson, um, which is a really good high quality glove and. In my opinion, I think it's a little bit better, but maybe I'm a little biased. <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to be, for sure. <laughs> you happen to sew a glove that even Kelsey Bowl could use and actually catch yeah. a ball? <laughs> I think we could get her a, a, a big enough one to kind of help her out there. Uh, Thanks, Aaron. I, I, I don't think that's true. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't. If, if you have a miracle-working glove, then maybe you might have something there. I don't know. We call it the Sports and Spirituality Show. Um, I'd love to hear um, a little bit about your faith journey. Uh, you mentioned mm -hmm. that uh, uh, maybe you went in a direction that uh, uh, that you didn't feel the Lord would have you to go. Uh, you had a come-to-Jesus moment um, yeah. and been able to make some changes. Uh, explain how that process has worked. Yeah, so, I mean, growing up, um, you know, faith and religion was always, you know, at the base of our family. Um, you know, I can remember even my dad teaching me, you know, certain things from the Bible and speaking to me about things at an early age and, um, you know, how things are, how things are. And um, when I got in trouble my senior year and my I went to college my 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 freshman year I was a little um angry I guess you could say um I didn't know what I was feeling at the time I was doing some things that I was I think maybe more so rebelling and going through that typical you know freshman year at college situation um until about the winter, and um, I had a girl on my team, Courtney Gano, 
who really took me under her wing. Um, she had been through a lot of challenges herself in her own life and basically was like, hey, let's go to church <laughs> and come with me to church. Let's just go, you know, you don't have to do anything. Just go sit with me. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, like that'd be great. And so we went to the city church, um, and which is with Pastor Judah Smith. And um, at that time, I was on the university campus um, church. So he was not physically there, but we would do kind of a replay because he would speak in the morning um, at the Kirkland um, location. So I kind of, our church on campus was at night. So it was a different setup. And we went and I can just remember it was like everything it was like God was pulling me to him because that service was 100% directed straight to me. At least I felt like it was. Um, it was about forgiving myself and, you know, being okay. We always talk about forgiveness and forgiving others. And we forget to forgive ourselves and how we are the hardest critics. And at the end of the day, the person that we should be worrying about forgiving us has already done so and and more and um his love for us exceeds anything that we we you know we think and so i i left that day in tears um i sat in that car with her for probably three hours after that service and cried and talked about everything um and it was all hey i need to i need to get my faith back i need to find my way back to him. And so then I went to a, actually a um, city church did, um, now it's called church home. Um, but at that time it was city church. Um, they did a retreat, a church retreat, and we would go and it was for student athletes. I mean, it was really open to everything, but at that time it was student athletes were our focus um, because of everything that we were going through. And so I um, did that church retreat and, you know, it completely changed my my outlook on on where I was going with my life and in my faith, and it helped restore a lot of my relationship that I had fallen from with God. That's wonderful stuff right there. At the end of the day, it is our faith that will last forever because, let's face it, uh, eventually your softball career will be over, right? Um, and uh, you'll move into the next phase of your life. But uh, faith is something that blesses us in this life and lasts for eternity. And uh, so we applaud you working through those challenges and uh, finding your way back to Jesus and uh, being a wonderful example of someone who has overcome the challenges of life, um, both um, a, uh, physical challenges, um, mental challenges, emotional challenges, academic challenges, athletic challenges, and Jesus was there for all of it um, and has brought you back to him and uh, to allow you to be an example. Uh, we're told uh, to uh, let our light shine before men and women so that they can see our good works and glorify God. And uh, Taryn Alvello is doing a wonderful job of that. And uh, Kelsey Bowl and Steve Rao celebrate that. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be here and sharing this story because if there's one thing I would rather have, I mean, if – I never picked up a softball again in my life. I would be okay with knowing that my challenges and everything that I have faced, even if it just helped one person, I did exactly what I was put on this earth to do. And that's all I can, that's all I can, you know, pray for and hope for is that I was able to reach someone else who was struggling with something. Well, we thank you very much for your wisdom, your transparency, your openness. Um, thank you for coming on the podcast, giving us an hour of your time here today. Uh, and we trust the Lord's blessing on you on uh, your continued professional softball career and whatever God has next for you. Thank you so much. You are welcome. A fellow Bulldog, Kelsey Bull, any final thoughts for our friend Taryn Alvello? 
No, I just am so thankful to hear your story. And I really do feel like, uh, I, I really do trust that it's going to help someone else. And I'm sure that it already has. So thank you so much for sharing today. Of course. And thank you for having me. And go dogs. Go dogs. And that's going to wrap up episode 43 of the Sports and Spirituality Show, brought to you in part by our friends Mitch and Greg Price of Price Custom Homes. They've been doing this for nearly 50 years, and uh, you can uh, get more information by going to their website, pricecustomhomes.com. Kelsey, will you come back for the next podcast here on the Sports and Spirituality Show? I think so. Really? (laughs) That's not the rousing endorsement I'm looking for, but um, it's not a no. So I accept that. Okay. Awesome. Um, uh, thank you for joining us. A special thank you to Taryn Alvello for being our special guest on uh, this episode of the Sports and Spirituality Show. A special thank you to the Fairfield County Sports Network for making this broadcast possible. Our friends at WLRY 88.9 Radio for Life and our friends at Save Radio. Join us next time at this exact same time as we continue to bring you the SAS, the Sports and Spirituality Show. 